Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you again for listening and coming back to the Creation Innovation. I'm really excited today to talk to Amanda Rice. I was just mentioning to her before we started to record that our paths were meant to cross in many different ways, but it's all divine timing. And here we are with today, July 18th, 2023. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. I'm I'm so happy to be here, and I do think we all find one another in this in this crazy world. So. Absolutely, Amanda is the founder and CEO of the Chick Mission, a U.S.-based nonprofit organization dedicated to providing women battling cancer with access to fertility preservation ahead of life-saving treatment. So, I don't even know where to begin, but I want to let's begin with your story. If you didn't wouldn't mind giving us a little history about your own experience with cancer and when that was and how that all came to be and everything, if you wouldn't mind sharing with our audience. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, you learn things when you go through them personally. And what I have found over the last five years is that so many personal stories end up in the nonprofit space because you look around and you recognize at a certain point in time how lucky you are and how fortunate you are Mm -hmm. and you don't want anybody to go through the same thing that you went through right and so whether you join a nonprofit, you create a nonprofit, whatever it is you'll find your path to healing and and helping others so mine started you know as as most cancer journeys begin i found my own symptom i was in my 30s i had a little bit of blood coming out of my left nipple and just kind of you know brushed it off for a bit of time and then went to get it checked out and you know time and time again was told oh breasts are funny you're getting older don't worry and so that getting older kept, in your 30s yeah you're getting older <laughs> um also this is one breast not the other you know you you look online and you this is a classic symptom of breast cancer um i know it's not it, the first time it wasn't a lump it was you know blood out of my nipple. So, you know, the, the phrase being your own advocate is something that's thrown around, around quite a bit, but it is absolutely because of a reason. Um, you know your body. We always, in at the Chick Mission, we talk about you're the CEO of your body. And you know when your cycle starts. You know when you're getting that feeling. You know when something is wrong. And I, I just constantly tell my friends and family and community, trust your gut and keep pushing. So I did push and many, many tests and, you know, biopsies and surgical excisions later, I was told I had breast cancer and did not run in my family and was just really shocked. Um, And then you go into fight or flight mode Mm -hmm. and you start researching and you talk to doctors and you make appointments and you schedule second opinions and you are not even processing what you've heard. You just want to take action. Right. And so one of the things that I found out early on was 
the side effect of infertility from a lot of life-saving treatment. Right. And that is what led me to freeze my eggs before I started treatment and ultimately uncover the insane fact that insurers deem egg freezing to be elective when you have cancer, even though it leads to infertility. Uh, I get goosebumps hearing that for several reasons. One, a little bit about my story. I don't know if you know this or not, but I show up as a fertility coach now in my day-to-day. I also help other fertility coaches to be fertility coaches. But as I was going through this process and interviewing on podcast, I recognized when people would say, how did you get into this? When I was 19, my sister was 26 and was diagnosed with a rare cervical cancer. And nobody had lived, like no one who's ever been diagnosed with this cancer had lived, period. No one on the planet. So all we could think about was, you need to survive this, period, end of story. All she could think about was, I just wanted to have kids. I never meant that I just wanted to have fur babies because she had just gotten married six months before and everyone was asking, oh, when are you going to have kids? And she's like, we're just going to have fur babies and whatever. And I will never forget walking in the door to my parents' house and going upstairs. Her and her husband were there and she was in my room and we went there and cried together. I'm going to cry now because all I could think of is who cares about that? I'll do that for you. I'll have the kid for you, but we need to make sure that you survive this, right? They did a radical hysterectomy and all the things because, again, like, here's your option. You have to blast your body with radiation and chemotherapy if you want a chance to live. Um, And they kept her ovaries. And I remember thinking, again, at 19 – and we were at the beach and she had to, they told her she had to wear a towel over her abdomen. And I'm like thinking, mm-hmm. okay, if you have to wear a towel to protect your ovaries when we're at the beach, there's no chance that's happening, right? Like I didn't say that out loud to her, but that was my in my mind. Fast forward in my own fertility journey and whatnot, I recognize that my mission in women's health and my own self-advocating started with my sister's story, right? Of like, okay, you're diagnosed today because she was going in for a regular uh, refill on a birth control pill. And the doctor's like, I'm Mm. not going to refill it until you come in because it'd been so long. Thank God she did because she was in surgery within a week. And when people say to me, oh no, it's not a big deal. Like your, your story as well. It's like, what if it is a big deal and you're pushing me off and I can't get an appointment or- whatever. And like for me, I had fibroids and my OB said, no, it's not a problem. So I went to the fertility doctor, the same one that my sister saw many years before. And he's like, well, actually that is why you wouldn't get pregnant because of where they are. They're not big, but the location causes a problem. So I, he sent me to a gynecological oncologist to do that. So hence the fact that I feel like people have been trying to connect us over time who know my story and my previous history with that. So to me, I'm very sensitive of that because I recognize there's a lot of people who go through fertility issues that are not in the sense that when I see them, you know, they come from a medical perspective. And that's really where Mm -hmm. my story had started of hearing that. I didn't even know what a cervix was when I was 19, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And and don't don't get us started on that. The lack of education that women have, uh, women and men, but 
that's that's part of our mission too is really just educate you know we're 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 a triple threat mission we basically raise money to provide need-based grants to those who have an immediate need to freeze their eggs before treatment and we how do they educate how do they know to like so let's say somebody's in the doctor's office they get that diagnosis or that you know crazy word or whatever you want to say, right? And then first thing yeah. they probably think of is, okay, what do I do next for this? Where do they right. find you? What do they do? And how fast can they – I mean, it might – it must be such a weird thing of like you want to get the cancer taken care of, but you also want to get this – the eggs frozen as soon as possible, right? right? And I think you – you know, you hear the word you have cancer and, and it's in your body. And so you immediately like, how do I get this out of my body? Right. Whether it's surgical, whether it's chemotherapy, whether it's radiation, whether it's, you know, drug suppressant therapy, whatever it is, you want it out and you want it out now. Mm-hmm. I think we have all, those of us who watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. Um, <laughs> You're aging you us know, now. They're, uh, <laughs> it's still on. I know, that's crazy. <laughs> But it's, um, you know, it's not a, yes, you have to follow the steps and get rid of this thing. But you also do have more time than you think in most cases, not all cases, but most cases you do. And when you're shopping around for a second opinion, or you're even scheduling your surgery, oftentimes that's a few weeks later. And so what happens and what's happened over time in the fertility space is they can manipulate your cycle. You don't have to wait to get your period to start a cycle. They are geniuses who have so many, you know, advances over the last, you know, five, 10 years that they can immediately put you in a cycle. Yes. Technology is amazing. So the most important thing is for doctors and nurses and social workers to tell you about the side effect, potential side effect of infertility. And that way you can take control. And, you know, it's not that easy because there is this monetary burden. But there are organizations like ours and other organizations out there um, that can help. And so what happens is you're diagnosed, you're sitting there, and hopefully you have a friend or a family member with you. And they are like, whoa, they're absorbing as much as they can. You're absorbing like this much of what they say. So I always tell my friends, record your appointments. Record them. Mm -hmm. And then they either Google search and find us. Their doctor, um, you know, perhaps the social working team or the doctor themselves say, hey, you've got to get in with a fertility clinic. We have a partner. We have multiple partners. Whatever it is, go see them. We have 35 partner practices across the six states that we work in. Amazing. So if you are getting diagnosed, the hospital systems know us, um, the fertility teams know us. And we have a great social media following. And so people DM us at Chick Mission on Instagram. They send emails to info at the chickmission.org. Whatever it is, they get to us because they are ravenous for help and information. And on a mission. Yes. Yes, they are. And, and what we pride ourselves in, you know, this was created by survivors and friends and family of survivors. So we know what it feels like to sit in that seat and we know the urgency and you need clarity. So once they find us and submit a one page application um, through the fertility clinic, they, the fertility clinic will get a response from our team within 24 to 48 hours. Amazing. And the patient never has to pay a dollar out of pocket before they get that response. So all of our partners waive the initial consult fee so that they can just learn. 
And it's not about the money. It's about understanding what's going to happen. That is so incredible. I mean, how amazing is it to wake up every day to know that you're literally creating life and extending life for these men and women that are going through these experiences every day? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it broke my heart, you know, to look around and feel so dejected and so just tossed out of the system. You know, they didn't want to honor that I had fertility benefits. They said we weren't in, I wasn't infertile yet. I didn't meet the standard definition of infertility. All these things that just were literal punches in the gut after being kind of slapped down, getting diagnosed with cancer. They're like, nope, you don't qualify. Like, where are those people now? Have you gone back to them? (laughs) Well, I, I did call back the insurer many, many times and just, you know, got a little rowdy with some people on the other end and just was like, how could you do this? I don't understand how you can live with yourself and work for a company or an industry that will toss people at their weakest moments. And that's so upsetting. But we get even by helping people preserve and also by doing advocacy work that changes state laws that mandate insurance companies have to cover this now. And yeah, I'll be da- I'll be damned if this is still a thing in ten years. A hundred percent, and I think also as you mentioned before, it's really about educating yeah. these people all over, no matter kind of what stage you are, from insurance companies to sadly even in the doctors' offices, they don't mm-hmm. know the full scope of what it means to then go through the fertility process and or any aspect of it. So I think in educating people just in general, what does that look like? What does that mean? You know, there's so much more than just your diagnosis when you're sitting there to how how is this going to go on to affect everything else in your future? There's so much that this small patient population has to deal with. So it's about 7% of cancer patients are adolescent, young adult patients. So 15 to 40, 45 ish, we'll say. Um, So it's sexual dysfunction. There's, you know, early menopause with a lot of this. There's infertility, there's body dysmorphia. There there are just a lot of things that you're just a kid for the most part. Maybe you just graduated from college and you have a bunch of student loan debt. you're, You're not wrapping your mind around what's happening. And so we want to stop people from making the wrong decision for their futures. That's sort of what what our goal is. And or not knowing that it's not an option, right? Yeah. For somebody to and say, so hey, I know this just happened to you, but guess what? We can do this. I mean, it's going to help your future. This is the reason to, you know, do as many podcasts, do as many, you know, news interviews, do as many social media posts as we do because- we want to spread the word and we can't just rely on the medical system to train doctors about what's happening to a smaller patient population. They're just not used to it and they're going to learn over time, but we need to take control of this situation. Yes. Well, it sounds like you guys are doing a great job at doing that. And I just want to congratulate you for for doing that. And, and what made you kind of take that first step and what did the first step look like of Okay, you were told no, this isn't going to be covered. How did and what were you doing before too? <laughs> There's so many questions I have. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm my whole career and still I have a I have a day job, one that I absolutely love. I do consulting for financial companies, and so 
I've always been a finance gal and, you know, had great benefits and just thought, you know, I'd never broken a bone, had a stitch, nothing before cancer. And then fast forward, you know, multiple years, I've had, gosh, 11 or 12 surgeries. I have so many stitches, so many scars. Um, it's pretty amazing what my body has been through and I actually love my scars. So, hey, more, more badass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I just sat there feeling so vulnerable and so um, just angry like just so much anger that this could be happening, you know, angry at the cancer, angry at my insurance company, just a lot of anger. And so I had to take control. And what part when you were had that diagnosis, what part of you, like I was saying for my sister, she was really focused on the fertility mm-hmm. rather than the cancer. For you, were, was it equal? Were you like, where, where did the f- fertility aspect fall into the other diagnosis of I oh shit I have cancer. Yeah, I think I think finding out that this was then deemed elective. You know, the cancer was going to be taken care of. I was diagnosed at early stage with a pretty basic, you know, okay. cancer. Um an ERPR positive, so estrogen receptor progesterone receptor positive. Great. Very run of the mill, we'll say. And again, I would probably um, say because you self advocated and went, you know, oh yeah. early on, it like sounded this, like. So that's great. It absolutely could have gone so much further. Like you need the reason why a lot of young adults. I mean, there, there's a there's a trend in survivorship in young adults with cancer because we find it ourselves and we don't stop until somebody listens. And so that is the key takeaway: is just keeping the squeaky wheel. Yes. And so I think when I knew what was ahead of me and the fertility conversation came up, it just felt like this injustice. Like it was so upsetting, not because I had always dreamed of being a mom. It was just the, you're going to take my hair. You're going to take my, you know, breasts. You're, you're going to take my ability to become a mother. Like all of this happens and there is something out there that could prevent it yet. No. I just, it blew my mind. I'm such a logical thinker that I just became paralyzed with anger and fear and frustration. And so I had, you know, been talking to friends. I I immediately joined, um, you know, a young survivor, um, you know, kind of coalition. And because I do a lot of fundraising in my day job, became their fundraising chair, you know, the next year and wanted to just give back to the community because you do feel quite alone when you're going through cancer as a young adult. There's everybody in the waiting room is decades older than you. Nobody really even thinks you're the patient there. They always thought it was my mom. And so finding community was first and foremost. And then identifying this solvable problem was Mm -hmm what really drove me. Like, I think back to the analytical thing, I'm like, this can be solved if we just work hard enough, raise enough money, raise awareness, you know, within a decade or two, this won't be a thing anybody talks about anymore. And so to be a part of that and use that, use the network, use the passion, use the, you know, amazing people around me to create something that could put itself out of business was really, that just, inspired me and gave me so much light and and something to distract me and focus on 
Yes. Honestly. Like that was. I mean, if that doesn't that was fire important. you up, I don't know what does. Oof. And uh, so that was, that was kind of step one. Step two is, okay, I've got a lot of treatment ahead of me, uh, a lot of downtime, a lot of busy work I need to be doing. So nonprofits for dummies, you know, invited a lot of people to come to chemo with me and, and brainstorm, talk to anybody that I knew whose friend sat on a nonprofit board, was a founder of a nonprofit, reached out to a ton of people on DM over Instagram and just got a lot of advice. And I think that's what carried me through chemo. Um, and then sort of had this game plan and started, you know, okay, my, one of my best friends lost her mom to cancer and it's just, oh, she is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. So it was like, hey, want to get a pedicure? We started brainstorming together, invited my, uh, my um, reproductive endocrinologist to join. My mom's a retired project manager, another best friend, another friend who went through cancer. So it was just like this dream team of badass women. And, you know, we have plenty of male supporters, don't get me wrong, but it was really nice to have that first board meeting. I had just finished all of my treatment a couple weeks prior and we had our first board meeting and it was just full of hope and energy. That's amazing. And how long ago was that? So that was um, that was November of 17 when we had our first board meeting and we gave our first grant on Valentine's Day of 2018. Wow, you guys moved fast. We did. We're like, uh, we, we had planned in our brains, you know, there was like this timeline and then a patient came across, you know, our plate and we said, hey, we've got the money, we should do this. And it was Valentine's Day. Like it had to be done. So that is so awesome. We did it. And fast forward to today, it's 415 patients that we That helped. is amazing. That's so, so millions, exciting. millions of dollars and thousands of eggs and four babies. Yay. Um, so we, we just have so much hope and so many amazing things that are going to come out of this. Absolutely. It's so, I mean, it's such a beautiful experience. And you light up just how when I hear one of my people are, you get the positive pregnancy test or whatnot, it's like you're just, you can't stop smiling, right? You're just so excited. Yeah. And it's such a happy moment. And I can imagine it's the same for you guys to know that you get to gift that to somebody else. It's yeah. really incredible. It's amazing. And, you know, I feel like every time, one of our patients comes back, <clears throat> you know, they have a whole long journey of treatment ahead of them after they freeze their eggs. Right. And we get a lot of notes of, gosh, like I have so much hope for my future and I'm going to fight that much harder. And that is just, it literally is the opposite of how I felt. And this is what we were meant to do. So I get super emotional because it is, you know, I'm not a mom, but I, I feel like I am, you know, this is my baby. Yeah. And outside of my fur baby, like all these chick mission babies are my babies. For so. sure. And that's where we talk about creation, innovation and creation in general. Like you don't, we create every day in our lives in lots yeah. of different ways, right? With a nonprofit, with a book, with recipes, whatever. There's so many ways that we can create that are not necessarily 
birthing a child. You know, we birth things every day, all day in different ways. And it's that intention of stepping into that feminine and knowing that we can can be that nurturing person that we have that even if we don't have babies. And I think there's such a huge community, you know, of women that are older that didn't have this option, like my sister. Yeah. And, you know, I was mentioning to her fairly recently in the last couple of years about how it wasn't until when I started, when I had my first miscarriage and I was getting my DNC and the couple next to me was getting their eggs retrieved. So I could hear the whole conversation with that um, drape in mm. between us, you know? And it was such that ex expolarization of what we were feeling. And she said to me, that's how I feel in the, gynecologi the gynecologist office when I'm sitting there and all these years later when everyone else is there for a different reason and I'm there for something else. And I was like, oh my God, I never thought about that, right? And yeah. so now I think when I sit in those offices, who is there for something that is not so fun, you know, yeah. and who's going through something unimaginable compared to what's you know they are and that was one thing that i had said to my re's office can you schedule all the dncs in the morning and all the retrievals in the afternoon or something because it doesn't yeah. feel good to be hearing that or you know what i mean that sort of thing and it's those little things of feedback i think that we can give our doctors that are now i think have this awareness as a collective that it does affect our mental state to be in situations like that and yeah. the more that we speak up and speak out on how things maybe can be shifted a little bit in order to help the mental well-being when we're on these journeys, everybody's better off for that. Yeah. No, people have to – people aren't mind readers. And as much as we want them to be thinking about every aspect, sometimes they need to be told. And that's okay. Right. Like right. you need to communicate – then they can, that's the only way they can get better. But I do, I hear the same empathy that I have in my heart, you know, coming straight out of your mouth. Like it is, there's just this level of, of just empathy that I think after you experience loss um, and whether it's loss, you know, a DNC, um, loss of, you know, a mastectomy, whatever it is, loss of a, of a human being, like they're, the empathy starts really getting more and more and more and more. And I think that is, it's made me a much better human being. Yeah. And I think that earlier you were speaking and I, I, I'm such a person of principle. And when you're saying like that you're logical, that's where I feel like I, for better or worse, I get fired up. If it doesn't make sense from a principle perspective where like what you guys are saying, it, it just doesn't. So yeah. how can you put yourself to sleep every night when that's just not right, period, end of yeah. story? You know, there's there's nothing about it that makes sense. And I think that's where, for me, I could fight all day long about something if you kind of hang on to that, just the plain and simple, black or white, right and wrong of something. And again, I think it's just a matter of educating people. So how yeah. can we all help to educate others in the chick mission that you guys are doing to help bring awareness to this? Yeah, I mean, we we always encourage people, even if you haven't been touched by cancer or infertility, 
to kind of follow along on what we do. There's a lot of things that we share as an organization that you would be surprised to learn. So, you know, whether it's following us on Instagram at Chick Mission or signing up for our newsletter because we don't, we don't spam. We're just, we're not like, there's certain nonprofits that, you know, you know, it's like on a schedule and they keep, like, it's just not what we do. We, we like to be very organic in our communications and everybody can make somebody else's life a little bit better. So whether it's, you know, sometimes we'll do like a bingo board, give us $5 and you get the X here and, you know, that type of thing. We have great events, like really fun. Nobody dreads coming to our boring round table rubber chicken events. Ours are fun. We have something called bubbles and bad behavior. We have a polar bear plunge, if that's your thing. We oh have gosh. race like a girl. We have a phenomenal gala in October in New York City. Um, and we just have fun with it. Uh, we also do a ton of educational events. So it's not about uncle fertility per se. It's really about, okay, company XYZ, do you have fertility benefits? If not, let's just have a fertility 101 conversation. Let's arm every woman and man that works at that company to go to HR and say, hey, you know, I just sat in on this really interesting conversation with a reproductive endocrinologist and this woman who's a cancer survivor, like started talking about what she went through. And I learned a lot about people struggling with infertility. Why don't we cover that as a benefit? Maybe we should start doing something. The amount of companies that have changed their benefits and policies after a conversation, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, there's other things out there that you can do. We do advocacy work state by state to change the law as it relates to oncofertility and other illnesses whose treatment lead to infertility. So there have now been 16 states in the last five years who have changed their laws. The last one that I was involved with was Texas. The governor just signed it into law a few weeks ago. Amazing. I was there testifying in the state Senate committee and the state house committee and just sharing my story as a constituent who lives in Austin, Texas. Um, we as human beings, we are the ones who can make a difference. Like we're constituents. The people that are elected into office care about what we care about. And I will tell you, I have experienced this multiple states, multiple times. They want to hear what their constituents, you know, maybe on the national level, it's it's just shake your head and I don't know, I, I've given up there. But I, at the state level, you can literally, you may not even know who your state senator or representative is, but look them up. Tell them this is something that's important. Reach out to us. We're we're going to be focused on Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Florida um, next year. And so reach out to us. We'd love to have you sign you know, one of our petitions, really just getting in front of your state rapper senator. That's amazing because I think a lot of people assume that what they say won't make a difference. And I have seen it, it so does. many times with Resolve as well and being part of the advocacy yeah. days and things that – you actually, does, and especially kind of now more than ever with things going on in the government with, I think, a lot of misunderstandings around situations going on. Yeah. It really, it really does matter for you to speak up. And I know, I hope that gone are the days where people are going through infertility and or cancer and they, they keep it quiet because they're ashamed because it really yeah. does help the next person if you can speak up and talk about that. And I also advocate with the corporations because 
their product, the employee's productivity goes down so much when they're going through fertility, right? They're Googling all yeah. the things. They're stressed about all the things. They just Stressed about know. money. They, yes. They're distracted and stressed about money. Where yeah. am I going to, how am I possibly going to afford this? Right. And so if we can educate those corporations to realize they need to support their employees it, in all the different ways. It leads to more loyalty down the line. I mean, there yeah. are actual facts and figures behind this. If you increase your benefits, people are going to stay. They're going to respect that you took care of them as one of their employees. They're yeah. going to stay. 100%. And there's, again, so many studies in all different ways. I wanted to mention one that I talk about often is the Mayo Clinic did a study in 2013 about someone who's going through fertility is the same stress level as a cancer patient, let alone a cancer patient that is also going through it at the same time. And so yeah. just to take that space for somebody that you may hear about that is in that age range that's going through that and all the thoughts that are going through their head about, you know, it's a double hit to them in so many ways. And then the finances, which for most of us is means security, right? So if that's also taken from you, how do you even pick yourself up every day? So again, building that- And you're distracted, you're you're frustrated, you're scared. Right. You are hopeless and you have a lot of fear. And that's not- The stress doesn't help the situation. Right. Then you're stressed about being stressed. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So find that support around you. I always say fertility team, which means all the people that support you, your acupuncturist, your medical doctor, your oncologist, your RE, your advocacy for your chick mission, everybody who understands where you're at and where you're going and where you want to be because there are people that love you and want to support you and you are not alone no matter what it is, just reach out and and knock on someone's door because they want to be there to support you. That's right. And no matter you know when people reach out to us, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or I don't know, we have we have all the social medias now, but somebody is there at the other end and knows where to funnel that message to. So it may take a day or two, but we're going to get back to you and you're not alone. And so awesome. Yeah. It's so exciting. Well, thank you again for being here. I can't You're wait welcome. to see all the more more and more and more people that you guys are able to support and more and more babies that come out of Chick Magnets or Chick Magnets. Chick Mission. <laughs> hey, future future Chick Magnets. Totally. <laughs> exactly. But Love thank it. you again for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Elizabeth. Really great to meet you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.